Hello, you're listening to No Such Word Is Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today I get to chat to one of my very, very good friends who has been on the podcast before. It's Amanda Young from That Manda Girl. How are you? Good. How are you, Hazel? It's so great to see you and talk to you. I know. Like, why is it when you turn 30 and you start having things like kids and responsibilities that you need to like schedule in time in your diary to talk to people? No, for real. I mean, I'm a Capricorn and an Enneagram 3, so already that's my lifestyle. <laughs> like, if it's not in the calendar, it's not happening. I know. But yeah, the, the moment you get older, and like you said, 30, that threshold, it just changes everything. <laughs> I know. And we were talking before we started recording, and I was saying to you about how like I've known you how long has it been since we like five years maybe maybe six years five yeah because yeah, it's gonna be four years since my layoff that's like my time point of like mm. when most people came into my life or mm-hmm. left my life <laughs> yeah I think it's been about five years um, yeah and it's so strange how much has changed for both of us since then yeah I think I've lived two three lifetimes since then um, and you have too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things the last few years for me have like evolved. Like I went, I went, I left Killer Mills and I was like, I'm not going back. I'm going to be a vet nurse. And then I was like, I'm not going to be a vet nurse. Let's try to claw some sort of niche for myself in the industry. Um, and you obviously went to Elephants and then started uh, being corporate baddie. Yeah, I it's funny right now on TikTok, there's something trending with Taylor Swift, you know, Taylor Swift, obviously. obviously. But there was this thing this creator said, what Taylor Swift song would you share with 2006 Taylor Swift that would blow her mind? Like what song has she written now that would blow mm. her mind in 2006? And so I started thinking about that about myself. And I was like, what could I tell 2018 Amanda who thought she was like, top of the world, got her dream job working with killer whales. Like, what Mm -hmm. can I tell her about 2023, Amanda? That would just absolutely blow her mind. And I, and I think it, I think it would be, um, you have a child (laughs) because I never (laughs) thought that was going to be something. And you work in social media and get to be on TikTok and get paid for it. I would just be like, what? Huh? You're not working with animals. You're happy. You make money. You have weekends yeah what? it's that thing it's like you don't work with animals but you're still happy like that's what? that's a big thing I think yeah. that's what I think that's what most animal care professionals worry about when they get out of the industry is like but am I gonna be happy and yeah it's gonna be tough like it's gonna be a roller coaster and you've got a lot to unpack you know therapy will help um if you're privileged enough to be able to afford and have access right. to a therapist but uh yeah you absolutely can be happy what would I tell little killer realtor to me because I thought like killer reels for me were like end game I was like that's all yeah. I care about I never thought I would leave them so I don't know I think probably it was it was a really nice feeling at the EWM conference being there and I was saying this to my husband that when I was there the way that people were 
treating me was with a lot of respect and that's not to say that when I was a trainer I didn't get respect of course I did but it was like on a different kind of level it was like oh I'm almost a respected person in this industry which absolutely blew my mind yeah Um, and I was really happy that I went and that I took the the kind of plunge to take that job in running the social media for them because I was like oh I'm back in the industry and this is like a job and a thing and like I go to Portugal next week to consult and I'm so excited that's so cool seriously so cool and honestly like dream job because you can make such an impact as we know social media is literally the world right now and so Mm. what better way to make an impact for the animals and things that you love maybe you can't physically be an animal trainer anymore but you can impact how the public views them and that in itself it's huge and honestly there's so many similarities actually between the two of us like starting out as animal care professionals running our own social medias and then it evolving into careers in social media in slightly different ways yeah people ask me all the time how how slash why I made the jump from animals to social media and the biggest thing I can tell them is that you are your walking resume and so Mm. the way that I treated my own social media the way that you know, back then I curated my life. It it was my resume to get me this job mm. and then now create all the jobs that I have. <laughs> yeah. So you said one of the things that would blow your mind like 10 years ago or 15 years ago would be the fact that you have a child. Oh my God. Yeah. I have a whole human, a whole ass tiny human that defend, like depends on me. Mm. You made her survival. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I did. <laughs> And she's really cute and I'm really biased, but she's really cute. She's like, oh, she is um, very cute. One of my really good friends calls her a cabbage patch kid because of her cheeks. They're just so squishable. And her big <laughs> eyes. Like she has yeah. like the most beautiful big blue eyes that are oh. like, they're looking into your soul, oh, girl. Yeah. Oh, she's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, So what was that like? Because you and your husband, Kevin, were married for a it little while be before you. It'll be eight years in May. Yeah. What was the like decision for waiting? Or did you always know that you wanted kids? Did you want to wait for the right moment? Or did you ever have that moment of like, yes, I, re- I now I really want a baby and I know that it's right? No, no, and no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we talked about in the episode before I was so career focused, so career driven that Mm. even the idea of marriage was not in my plan. It's not in my plan. I was like, I am going to do what I want. I'm going to be who I want. I'm going to achieve everything. And if the perfect person who is okay with that, lets me do what I want, lets me be myself, blah, 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 and still loves me, then fine. I'll marry that person. And that was like it. And Kevin just like fit, boop, 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 fit all of that. And really surprised me. I met him my freshman year of college, really young, it all kind of fell into place. He supported me. He will admit that he thought me becoming an animal trainer wasn't really possible. He was like, yeah, you just, you said that, but I didn't really believe you that it was going to happen. And then it happened. And then now I have to deal with like all of that that comes with it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we got married in 2015 and throughout our entire relationship up until I would say I left the field, our decisions as a couple were made based on me and what I wanted and my mm. career and how my life was going to go. 
And he had always expressed, you know, someday I would really like to have kids. And he always just said like, you know, 30, I think I would like to have kids by 30 is this arbitrary number. Mm. And when we got married, we were 22 and 24. And so I was like, okay, cool. It's not in the five-year plan. And that's what I would tell everyone. It's, oh, it's not in the five-year plan. And then the five years came and I was like, it's still not in the plan. <laughs> it's still not, not like, Ugh. and so when I got laid off, priorities shifted. And then when the pandemic happened, priorities shifted again. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was forced to confront my mental health, which we've talked mm -hmm. about too. So I'm confronting my mental health. I'm finally getting all of these diagnoses and on medication and lots and lots of therapy to the point where I really had to unpack. I had this belief growing up through past experience and a lot of different things that it was impossible for me to be a good mother because at that time I was struggling to even be a good human mm. in the sense of taking care of myself yeah. and prioritizing myself, but also the person that I married that I'm supposed to also prioritize and care about. In my mind, I was like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing this well. Like I'm failing at this. I'm not treating him in this relationship how I should. And so it was this huge priority shift for me. And I really sat down with him and was like, Hey, so I'm really not confident that I could keep someone else alive because I'm not doing so good at it myself mm -hmm. right now. And so obviously we both, you know, came to an agreement, like, yeah, you matter more. And whether we have a child biologically or adopt, like we just want what's best for us and we want to in the, be in the best place possible. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, through all of that, I really took the past three years to focus on myself, which sounds selfish, but in order to help other people around me. Well, yeah, you had to, yeah, <laughs> you had to do that work in order to be at the right place in the right headspace and in the right moment to even consider having kids. But at the moment where you, when you had done all of that work and you kind of said to yourself, okay, I'm ready to have kids. Like, did you always really want a child? Like, was that a, like a desire that you had inside of you? You know, I never saw myself as, I don't know, when you, when you think of like a mom, maybe you think of like a stereotypical mom that matches her daughter and they're besties and they do everything together. Mm. For me, I knew that if I was going to have a kid, Kevin and I both said that we wanted to have a child as scary as it is in this economy, in this world, in this climate, that would be a world changer. And we were only going to embark down that road if we felt that we had something valuable to pass on. Okay. And- and, and that was like kind of our thing is that, okay, we don't want to have a kid to be selfish. We don't want to do it because we feel the pressure of society that this is what you're supposed to yeah. do. You know, the population is massive. We want to make sure that when we're starting down that road, we are at our best to be able to give our best. And so- oh, I like that. Yeah, it, it's, it was this weird thing that I never- I never saw myself as a mom, but then once I really worked on myself and understood that I was worthy of that, if I mm. chose that, that kind of changed my perspective in that sense. But yeah, him and I was always saying like, 
okay, we're, we're changing, we're, we're growing a world changer. We're, we're growing, <laughs> uh, as we say now, a feral warrior because she is in gen <laughs> alpha and they are feral in the sense that these kids are already doing school walkouts at their elementary school and protesting. Mm. And yeah, we're like, yep. Okay. She's feral, but in all the right ways, <laughs> because yeah. she's going to shake up things once she gets older. Yeah. For me, it was a little bit different. Like when I was a lot younger, I know I always wanted to be a mum or I always saw myself becoming a mum but I was very much like I had a lot of younger cousins even though I don't have any siblings being an only child I was definitely like I want a big family I want to have yeah. kids that have siblings because you know being older I definitely you know miss that and me and my mum would like watch One Born Every Minute and call the midwife and all of these like baby programs. And mm-hmm. even when I was a killer real trainer, like I used to say um, to the staff, like, oh, yeah, I want like four kids. I would always say like, yeah, I want like four kids. So when my grand died, when I was 27 and mm-hmm. my grand helped raise me, she was my yeah. second parent and I was filled with this overwhelming urge of, I need to have a baby. I want to have a baby. It literally, like she died and I was like, I want to have a baby for myself, but also so that my child can spend as much time as possible with my mom so that she gets to have a relationship with her grandmother. And I don't know if it was the pandemic or if it Mm. was me losing so much of my own identity after leaving the killer whales or if it was just the reality of getting a puppy and realizing (laughs) what having a child might be like I did a full 180 and I was like I never want kids yeah and I shocked a lot of people with that because when me and Paul got married the the trainers at Marineland sent us a lovely video um they put like the the cellophane wrap that's around all the fish boxes like as a veil like they were pretending to get married it was it was super cute um but they were all taking bets on the fact that I would be pregnant by the end of last year they were like I bet this much this much because I'd spoken about it so much right and I was like how how have my priorities shifted that much and I, I don't know like I don't know the answer that's probably why I was like did you really have a moment where you were like I need to have a baby because I feel like I'm waiting on that moment and it's not coming yeah I I will say hearing you talk about getting a puppy that is one thing my therapist had always said is people have babies because they love babies but they don't realize that they're growing an adult Mm. an adult who's going to be hopefully a functioning member of society someday Mm. and the baby phase is cute and they're precious but they grow up and and are you prepared to deal with a toddler are you prepared to deal with a teenager and all of that and so yeah I don't know you and I know that I over prepare about everything but this is something that I went into just I guess really trusting biology and that Mm. okay I have overanalyzed every facet of my life I have done everything 100% and overkill maybe I should just let my body do what it's designed to do Mm -hmm. like you know and so going into trying to get pregnant we really didn't put a lot of pressure on it we were like if it's meant to happen it's meant to happen if not whatever no big deal we've gone this far and 
I, I think Kevin would say too, that there was a moment that we both were like, okay, let's try like, okay, why not? You know, but I think we thought it was going to take a lot longer than it did just because of my, um, you know, women's health issues and things that I've gone through. I have PCOS and endometriosis, which typically have fertility issues. And so for us, we thought it was going to be like a couple year thing. Um, and then it took two months. So <laughs> <laughs> at that, at that Kev, point, Kev we was were there like, patting himself on the back. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Amanda, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was like, you know, my, my Ironman that I do, I'm just in peak physical fitness, Amanda. And I'm like, okay, great. My, I'm really my happy My sperm for you. takes after me, Amanda. Like I have Ironman uh, sperm. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. But yeah, I, I would say that there wasn't this moment where I was like, I'm ready. Cause even now that she's here, I'm like, duh. Okay. Yeah. That's, that actually comforts me because I'm like Paul, my husband, like my husband, he, yeah. he's desperate for a baby. He has been wanting a baby for like the last five years. Um, and I just keep being like, not yet, not yet. And you know what it's like when, well, you guys were a lot younger when you got married, but I'm sure you still had it. Like as soon as that ring is on your finger, it's the number one question that people ask you. Oh yeah. We walked up the aisle from getting married and my grandmother goes so when are the kids coming and I'm like Betty Betty I'm 22 I understand (laughs) that you had four children by 22 but ma'am this is 2015 no that's that's quick um you know we've had like we've only really had respectful questions you know we haven't really had people putting pressure on us but I still joke I'm like every time someone asks me I'm adding another month I did that too it was a game Mm -hmm. for me it became Mm -hmm. a game and eventually after being married seven years people stopped asking because they just assumed that we were having fertility issues and that was a blessing honestly (laughs) it sucks that it took that long for people to stop asking but I don't know. Some people would ask just to like validate their own decisions because our friends were having kids and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, are you like, we made this decision. Was it like, are you going to make that decision? Mm-hmm. You know, but again, it's, it's a very personal decision. Yeah. And I think also it was just another step for me of unpacking the identity issue, which mm-hmm. I know that you really resonate to. Mm-hmm. I thought that once I had a kid, I would no longer be Amanda and I had to be mother. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding out is that that's just like a bonus level that not everyone achieves. And that's totally fine. That's just like mm-hmm. an extra facet to my personality, but that is not everything that I am. And it has not negated or taken away everything that I've done. It's just this like yeah. extra little bubble, extra little point on my resume you know? I love that. And how did you feel when you found out you got pregnant? Because obviously it happened a lot faster. Uh, yeah. You did put the, you put the video up um, of you and Kev turning the test around and you like yep. threw it away from yourself. How, yep. Break that down. How did you think, did you really think you were pregnant at that point or were you like, nah, it can't be? Well, you and a lot of other people kept messaging me because I was sharing on my close friend's Instagram story that we were trying and you were like, I haven't seen a negative test, Amanda, your cycle, Amanda, like, where is it? And like you and a couple other people. And I was like, Kevin was out of town and I wanted to take the test with him. And so I was waiting and waiting, but 
the couple of days that I waited and I, my cycle wasn't coming, wasn't coming. I just had this feeling like, Oh, I think, I think it's it. I think this is it. And the morning sickness had not started yet, but if I would have waited like three more days, oh yeah, it would have oh, been dear. very obvious. <laughs> so how did you but know when you was, found out? It was exciting. It was nerve wracking. My stomach dropped to my butt. Um, <laughs> you know, I just like, it just felt like, oh my gosh, I have all of this responsibility now. And mm. I think I could compare it to the moment I got engaged that all of a sudden you think to, oh my gosh, I have to plan a wedding. And then all of these things get put in your head of, I have to do this and I have to register for this and I have to pay for this. And oh my God, ha, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. so, but it was, and it was exciting and we were happy. And if anything, throughout all of that, it was incredible to see Kevin transform yeah. into who he is now. And even though obviously there were moments he was unsure, but obviously a lot more with me, I was more unsure, but watching him just really step into this role. I mean, mm. people always say like, oh, so-and-so was meant to be a mom. He was meant to be a dad. Oh, he was, so oh my gosh. Blech. It's And like how was the pregnancy? <laughs> You know, she put me through the ringer, that one, uh, old Paxton. She um, bruised my ribs from kicking me so hard towards the end. The doctor almost thought I had a broken rib. Oh my um, she, I had such bad morning sickness in the first trimester that all I could keep down were mini croissants from Target. And that's all I ate. To the point where my um, two really good friends started calling her Croissandra once we found out she was a girl. <laughs> Croissandra. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I was lucky I didn't get gestational diabetes. Uh, my bl blood pressure stayed really good. My glucose levels were good. So as far as health-wise, great. But for me, it was a lot watching my body change before my eyes very rapidly. Like when when you think about nine months, it it seems like a long time, but in the span of things, watching slowly my pants not fit and my shirts not fit and the number on the scale rapidly changing. And yeah, that was a lot with my mind and my body dysmorphia to really handle. How did you deal with it? You know, I, I would like to think that I dealt with it gracefully, but I think I just voiced everything out loud. And mm -hmm. that was always Kevin and I's deal when it comes to mental health is voice it out loud. So anytime I have a random intrusive thought or I feel like depression is spiraling again, I just say it out loud. For me, it's less scary. And then it also clues him into what mm -hmm. is going on inside my brain. And so, you know, I, I would look in the mirror and be like, oh, I feel like I look pregnant. And he and the other one would be like, well, you are. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I feel so large. And he goes, yeah, I mean, you're growing a baby. And obviously yeah. that's like the man thing to be very like direct with it. Mm. But, you know, I just, I, I chose to look at my body as this metamorphosis. And yeah, my brain has gone through all these changes with mental health and taking medication. And, you know, m my body... I just had to keep telling myself my body was meant to do this. It was meant mm. to do this. And even though I'm scared and all of this is freaking me out that my body is changing, it it was it was made to do this. So, okay, like biology take over because my brain's freaking out a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah. And your pregnancy for me will be documented by your bathroom selfies at work. Yeah. Like oh every time gosh. I was like, 
like I had two things I was like let's see how much you've grown and also that outfit is very cute (laughs) I love it yeah that that was the fun thing about being in the corporate setting I mad props to the people that are pregnant and work in the animal field oh my god uh, the thought of putting on a wetsuit when I was nine months pregnant couldn't do it nope nope by that point I was wearing dresses because I didn't want to put pants on (laughs) you know and so being corporate and sitting at a desk all day and driving to work and not having to shovel the elephant yard or muck out a rhino barn yeah I so in the scheme of things my pregnancy was easy and nice because I didn't have all those extra stressors but there were previous coworkers that I worked with um both at SeaWorld and the zoo that were pregnant and delivered two weeks after me so we were all pregnant at the same time and you know every time that I felt exhausted at the end of the day I was like okay but I didn't I didn't you, I you didn't, didn't spend eight, today yeah you didn't spend I eight didn't, hours on your feet running around yeah, yeah and I wasn't in the Florida sun in 95 degree heat being fully pregnant so okay I, mean, I think also um like I think America has a lot to answer for with how little maternity leave you guys have because I know personally trainers who work their last day at work and the very next day they go in for their c-section oh yeah and I'm like oh yeah you're not gonna take some time to like enjoy your no you're going straight and it's because you guys don't have any time yeah my company that I work for is a very small company in the scheme of corporate but I was surprised they even had paid leave and they gave me six weeks paid maternity leave and then I tacked on uh an extra two because I saved all my PTO I saved my paid vacation Mm -hmm. and since I her birth was in November I was like okay well it's the holidays I'm gonna be on maternity leave anyways I might as well just lose my leave because I'm gonna lose it by the time January comes um but but yeah I worked Friday and my c-section was on Tuesday so I took Monday off I took Monday off Oh my goodness. Like just for a comparison, one of my good friends who was a trainer at Laurel Park was pregnant mm-hmm. when I was there and they forced her to leave work fully paid when she was five months pregnant because they said it was too dangerous for her to be working on slippery surfaces, carrying heavy buckets in the heat, going in and out of the fridge, like changes in temperature. It was nothing to do with the animals. It was all to do with the environment. Yeah. Yeah. They said to her, you are not allowed to work here you go home and take your maternity leave and then I think after that she was a full year a full year of (sighs) um, maternity leave I think it's six months fully paid and then you got another like three months where it was half and then like it changes a little bit but it's at least six months that's mind-boggling and so when I see you guys I'm like yeah what is this I my husband once I got to eight months he was like okay you drive to work it's about like a 45 minute drive I would prefer since I work hybrid so I can't go into the office or I could stay Mm. home he's like how about we agree that the last month you work from home because you could go into labor at any point baby is technically to term and so I did I did have like a last day in the office and then worked a month from home and honestly that was 
great, a very great decision. But again, in, in America, people don't get that luxury. You don't get that choice. And how you was know? the birth? It was good because like we said, I plan everything. And up until I would say a month, up until a month before, all of a sudden I was like, oh snap I have to go through labor like okay so Hazel I was always like yeah being pregnant great let's be real attention on me cute bump photos a baby shower like that sounds great we know that I like to be you know where all the glitter is and I was all about that labor mm, no I didn't I didn't want to do that at all from the moment from the moment I was like that terrifies me like I, well, I remember we called like just after you found out that you were pregnant when like you hadn't announced it online yeah. yet yeah and I said to you I was like oh I like I because again like I, I've grown up knowing a lot about babies so I was like oh hypnobirthing yeah. like sounds really good and you were like no girl yeah. c-section <laughs> <laughs> yeah from from the start in in my heart and in my brain I just knew that there was no part of me that wanted to go through labor. And I understand that it's beautiful. And I literally know that 10 minutes ago, I said that my body was built to do this, but my brain wasn't. Okay. <laughs> my valid. brain specifically, with my level of anxiety, um, the bipolar disorder, the PTSD, all of that that's swirling around in there. Yeah. That was not, my brain was not meant for it. And I was like, maybe once I get pregnant, it'll change. Like, maybe I'll feel okay with it. Maybe things will change. And once I got to the month, I sat down with my OB and was like, hey, so I'm having panic attacks. And that's probably not good when you have a baby in you. Um, so let's talk about a C-section. Like, does it have to be emergency? Can I just say I want one? Like, how does that work? She was like, well, I can't, like in America, I can't tell you that you need one but if you say that you want one then like that's what we can do but like you have to say it like not under duress whatever and I was like cool right where do I sign let's get this on the calendar like no thank you and yeah there was just a part of me that kind of felt a little bit of shame in that and now not at all not at all it was 100% the best decision I'm so glad that I trusted myself my intuition my brain because there was no part of my birth that was traumatic. It was, yeah. Kevin and I joke that it was a spa day, honestly. I go to the hospital, we check in, we like get so excited. We take our last little video before we meet Paxton, our last little selfies. I get wheeled away. I get my spinal tap, which I took like a champ. And they told me that and that I will just forever just like pat on the back, you know? <laughs> And from the moment they like had a playlist playing in the OR, my husband's there right beside me. And then within five minutes, Hazel, from start to finish, whoop, here's your baby. Here you I'm go. I'm sorry. Here is your toddler. It was, oh, well, yeah. She was uh, almost nine and a half pounds. And so she, at that point. She came out like, mom, you made a good decision with the C-section. Yes. So the moment my OB struggled, like. TMI, but struggled to get her out. Um, I had a bruise, a handprint on my pelvis from them holding me down Ooh. on the table to get this child out of me. She pulls her out. Paxton's entire right side of her entire body is bruised from being so wedged in me. She goes, wow, mom, great decision on the C-section. You would have been here regardless. 
Yeah. And, and it, that it for blows, me, not that I needed that validation, but to hear that, and I was very drugged up, but to hear that great job, you trusted your intuition. You would have been here regardless. I was like, all right. That's, that's all why I, I don't understand my people, life. <laughs> like people say like a C-section is the easy option, quote unquote. I'm like, what is easy about major abdominal surgery that's oh. going to take so long to recover from? If anything, that is the harder one to recover from. Well, and that's the thing is that they walked me through that and I, I chose that recovery and talking to moms that have gone through emergency C-sections it is traumatic. Mm. It is scary because you're there because things are going wrong. And mm. that recovery is even harder because your body has gone through hours of labor that's not yeah. going correctly. And then it is emergency in that point and you're rushed and it's scary and there's fluorescent lights and people are running around. That is scary. But for me to have planned it, it, it was the best thing for me because I could research until I was blue in the face. I could read, I could look up testimonials from people. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And they walked me through the entire thing. It was, again, the best thing for my anxiety because it, it went as planned because that was the plan. Yeah, I massively respect you for putting your mental health first and choosing a C-section. And I've always said that I want to be the person to like do the hypnobirthing and have like yeah. water birth. And like, I don't even know how it works in the Netherlands. Like, I don't know what their rules are, what you can slash can't do, who knows. And I'm probably going to be the person that gets halfway through and I'm like, please give me all the drugs. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe it's better to just <laughs> not have a plan. Yeah, that know. was... That was something I knew from the start. I was like, all the drugs, even if I thought that I was going to go through a vaginal birth, I was like, all the drugs, give it to me. The science is there. I'm going to take it. Because again, my anxiety, I just, mm. my mind spirals to worst case. And so I was like, okay, but if I can plan for best case, then I'm going to do it. See, my me. anxiety you know? And that was my when, choice. Yeah, when I'm not in control. So I mm. don't like being drunk and I don't like, I live in the Netherlands, so I can say I don't, I've never done drugs. But I don't, yeah. like, I wouldn't ever smoke weed or anything like that. Just, I don't yep. like that feeling of not being in control. And honestly, that's probably what scares me so much about having a child. Because when I got whiskey, my dog, it was that I no longer have control over when I eat, when I shower, what I do. All of my needs are put to the side because I need to take care of this little terror that is now in my house dictating everything that I can and can't do. And I did not handle it well. So... What was it I like mean, when packs arrived? And even uh, even with just scheduling this episode, Hazel, I texted you like four different times and was like, "Hey, can we change it? Hey, my <laughs> husband has a three-hour Ironman workout, and I she's not going to be able to join this interview." Uh, 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 yeah, I I get that. Um, same me. Yeah, control that is a hundred percent. That mm. it's ingrained in my personality, but also it has so much to do with my anxiety as well. Um, when she came. I would say that I was exhausted and he was exhausted. We were just both so exhausted that the first couple of weeks, it was just pure, mm. pure survival. Like mm. pure instinct just took over. Like, okay, she's crying. Cool. Let's feed her. Let's change her. Mm. What does she need? Okay. Back to bed. You know, like we just barely were existing. And that's why that leave, that time off is so important. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot, but again, that they, this instinct just took over that I didn't think I had. I did not think I had. 
a motherly parental instinct, which is funny because I'm the mom friend. I'm always the friend that's like, okay, call the Uber. Okay, text me when you're home. Okay, drink some water after you've mm-hmm. drank outside. You know, like hydrate. Like I'm the mom friend. So I don't know why I thought I wasn't going to be a good parent. But um, yeah, it's just having a partner that was 100% in it with me really helped. That was, I would say that is where our success came from is that it's not 50, 50, it's 100, 100. Like he is as much in this Mm -hmm. as I am. And on a day that I'm not giving 100, she's still covered because he's got it and vice versa. You know, that's amazing. And I think the support makes all the difference It's something that my mom always instilled in me and I think I go really hard you know like when the baby comes especially if it's a first baby all of the attention is on that new baby and people come over because they want to see the baby and my mom taught me from a very young age of you do not go see a new baby unless you bring something you clean something and you cook something yep like those were her rules. It's like you go there and I don't care, you fold the laundry, you put the laundry on, you do the dishes, you bring, I don't know, a frozen lasagna or a casserole, yeah. like yeah. you help. And yeah, I may, like I said to you, like as soon as she was born, I was like, that's great. Pax is here. She's healthy. But how are you? How are you? Yeah. And that's so important too, with the more we're learning about postpartum depression, anxiety, anger, mm. and even paternal, a lot mm-hmm. of people care about the mom and how is mom doing with baby. But Kevin really struggled with during all the doctor's appointments. He was like, they don't even look at me. They don't even mm-hmm. act like I'm here. And I, I helped. She's yeah. here because of me too. And yeah, you're the one carrying her. And even when she was born, they constantly were just talking to me mm-hmm. about this is what you look for. He's like, hello, I'm here. Until the moment we went to the pediatrician. And then she was like, he existed because mm. at that point, then he was recognized mm. as like an equal in the game, which is wild. But yeah, we don't talk enough about. Honestly, I think I think the feminist part of me is, takes the slight satisfaction in that because in so many conversations, you know, in the workplace or at school, women are looked over you know yeah. oh, and yeah. and they're not spoken directly to so just for like like I love Kevin like he's he's a oh, great yeah. person but oh yeah just in general if we're generalizing it gives me a small amount of satisfaction for a man to experience what that's like well and I will say at least in America all of the doctor paperwork it's me filling it out they hand it to me specifically even though we both go up to the front desk they give me the paperwork and there's stuff on there that is he the child's father? Does he know he's the child's father? Are oh you goodness. safe at home? Do you have access to food? Are you comfortable at home? Oh, like wow. I, every time I go to the pediatrician's office, I have to fill out this questionnaire, uh, like kind of looking for domestic violence and these unsafe situations. And yeah, in a way it's kind of empowering because yeah, they, they, they hand it to me. They don't hand it to him. They hand it to me. I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's really heavy stuff, but it's good that they have it in place for anyone who mm-hmm. needs it. It's unfortunately sad that it has to be there, yeah, but it was something that, you know, I was really thankful. I was like, wow, pediatrician. Okay, go off queen. <laughs> and how how is it now? You know, she's almost five months old. You've grown into this incredible role. You know, you really seem to have taken to it very well. How do you feel being a mom, having a daughter, being a little family, what's it like? Is it what you thought it would Honestly, be like? 
no in a good way in a good way um she is surpassing all of my expectations and kind of so cheesy she's watching her experience life for the first time and be so astounded by an elephant stuffed animal that jingles <laughs> it it just puts a lot into perspective it really mm. it really does in a sense and you know we talk about anxiety and all of that and all these things that my brain tunnel visions on but she just helps me like take a step back and be like you know what we are gonna laugh at this elephant today and if that's all we accomplish that made me smile and you know what you go Pax like you are laughing at a stuffed animal right now and that's amazing and you know, you know, there there are challenges. Uh we've yet to reach anything major, but I am a strong willed independent woman and I am definitely raising her to be as mm-hmm. such as well too. And mm-hmm. you know, every time she cries or doesn't quote unquote behave, she's a baby, you know. But I'm always like, Thank you for that opinion. Thank you for voicing that opinion. You know, I'm already like starting <laughs> now. Like you know, that's an opinion and thank you for having it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. No, she's, it's just taught me so much about myself and my partner and just solidified all of the decisions that we have made. And the fact that, yeah, we waited quote unquote, a long time to have kids, Mm -hmm. but it is going so nicely because we did I fully believe that I fully believe that because we waited to be our best versions of ourselves we have had an incredible time being parents and yeah there's going to be pitfalls but yeah that's my that's that's my thing is it just again it solidifies just like the c-section just like everything else like your intuition your gut you know yourself best and so like don't let other people pressure you if you need to wait wait and if it's not the books for you it's not who cares? You don't need to be a parent to be fulfilled. I was fulfilled before I had her. Again, there's this other version of me that's unlocked, but I have friends who want to be child-free and they are fulfilled and they're just fine. And I would have been just fine without her, but I'm glad she's here in the same breath, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Manda, thanks so much for taking time um, out of your busy work schedule and mom schedule and wife schedule (laughs) and everything. Yeah. (laughs) to chat to us um it's been amazing well I appreciate you and just for holding space and letting me share you know I know the conversation's not for everyone but for those thinking about it or just wanting to know more like yeah I'm open I'm an open book I overshare (laughs) same (laughs) I live my entire life publicly I'm like who cares (laughs) yep yep Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe, and I will catch you all next week.